effectively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, Keith Hubbard's Star Talk report highlights bright stars and a particular constellation visible in the evening sky. From a revised Now You Know segment in our Radio Catskill Farming Country archives, produced by Stephanie Phillips, agronomist Diana K. Wiener shares her advice and expertise on enjoying poinsettia plants. Along the Poets Row, Christine San Jose recites on the theme of Hanukkah. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country, here on Radio Catskill. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Windsor Johnston. Health officials around the world are scrambling to learn more about a new variant of the coronavirus that was first detected in South Africa. NPR's Ritu Chatterjee reports the Omicron strain has a higher number of mutations and is spreading rapidly. The WHO says the variant may have some advantages over other variants. It's already been found in Botswana, Israel, Belgium, and Hong Kong. And scientists have been looking closely at Omicron's mutations to understand why it's spreading so fast. That's NPR's Ritu Chatterjee reporting. Health officials in the United Kingdom today confirmed two cases of the Omicron variant. So far, the strain has not been detected in the United States. The variant, though, has prompted a host of countries, including the U.S., to block flights from several nations in southern Africa. The White House is gearing up to host President Biden's long-promised global summit for democracy. NPR's Franco Ordonez reports the meeting is a chance for Biden to pull together U.S. allies and show how democracies are better than autocratic systems. Since his first foreign speech in February, the president has urged democracies to come together. The focus of the summit is on Biden's efforts to call on global allies to demonstrate to their citizens that democracy still works and can improve people's lives in tangible ways, such as tackling the pandemic. American leadership must meet this new moment of advancing authoritarianism, including the growing ambitions of China to rival the United States and the determination of Russia to damage and disrupt our democracy. There are more than 110 nations on the invitation list, including Taiwan and the Ukraine. Franco Ordonez, NPR News, Washington. Demonstrations are continuing at several ports in northern France in an ongoing dispute with the United Kingdom over post-Brexit fishing rights. Villa Marx reports relations between London and Paris are already strained after more than two dozen migrants died this week attempting to cross the English Channel. Fishermen honked horns and lit red flares in the port of Saint-Malo Friday before moving on to other ports. Later, they hindered access roads to the Channel Tunnel that connects Britain to continental Europe. For around 90 minutes, half a dozen boats blocked entry to the port of Calais, Britain's main shipping gateway to Europe, after UK officials had warned against such actions earlier in the week. 
Traffic was not disrupted, but the head of the regional French fishing committee in Calais described the efforts as a first warning shot after months of argument over access to British waters. For NPR News, I'm Willem Marks in London. You're listening to NPR News in Washington. Support comes from Van Gorder's Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles as well as rustic collections. With showrooms at Lake Wall and Poppock, downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com. This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show, agronomist Diana K. Weiner shares her advice and experience and expertise on enjoying poinsettia plants. This revised Now You Know segment is from our Radio Catskill Farm and Country Archives, produced by Stephanie Phillips. Along the Poets Row, Christine San Jose recites on the theme of Hanukkah. But first... Here's Keith Hubbard with this week's Star Talk Report. Thank you for joining us for this week's locally produced Farm and Country. I'm Keith Hubbard, and this is Star Talk. Looming large in the southern sky in the evenings this week is the constellation Cetus. Cetus is the fourth largest constellation in the night sky and depicts a sea monster or a whale. The constellation is one of the Mesopotamian constellations that was passed down to the Greeks and was included in Ptolemy's Almagest in the 2nd century. While Cetus is a rather large constellation, it is not that prominent in the sky and is difficult to find. The shape of the constellation resembles a whale with a large round head and an upturned tail. The brightest star in Cetus is Deneb Caetus, a magnitude 2 star approximately 96 light years from Earth. Deneb Caetus, also known as Difta, can be found 75 degrees to the right of the bright star Rigel in Orion. Even though that is pretty far from Rigel, Deneb Kados is the brightest star in that region of the sky and should not be too hard to locate. Another star of note in Cetus is Mira. In 1596, Mira became the first variable star discovered. The star increases in brightness every 332 days with its next peak coming in July of next year. Currently, Mira is too faint to be seen with the unaided eye, and at its peak, it is a moderately bright 3.5 magnitude star. Cetus will be visible in the southern sky until around midnight this week, at which time it will dive below the horizon. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up.
Here is a revised audio segment from our Radio Catskill Farm and Country Archives, produced by Stephanie Phillips. In this segment, now you know, agronomist Diana K. Weiner shares her advice and expertise on enjoying poinsettia plants. Good morning. This is Stephanie Phillips with Now You Know for Farm and Country. Today we're going to help you out with useful information about poinsettias because chances are that you're going to receive one of these gorgeous plants during the holidays. I'm speaking with Diana Weiner. Good morning, everybody. I'm an agronomist, which is a soil scientist by degree. I worked with Cornell Cooperative Extension in Orange County for 16 and a half years. I started their Master Gardener program and have been educating people since. After I left there, I went to Mohunk Mountain House and I was the superintendent of Parks and Grounds. I love plants and I'm so happy to be here today and talk about poinsettias. Where do poinsettias originate? Do we have to import the ones that we find in nurseries? Okay, the poinsettia originates from Mexico. In Mexico, it is actually a shrub. It grows to be about 10 feet tall. And there's a wonderful story about the poinsettia. There was a very poor little girl who lived in a small town in Mexico. On her way to church, she was going to collect some roadside weeds to bring to church. She brought them to the altar, and they turned into poinsettia flowers. So that is why we use the poinsettia as our token plant every year. Nice story. Can poinsettias be grown from seeds? No, they are grown from cuttings. So the life cycle of the plant is it would be delivered to the greenhouses if they're growing them themselves in August. And at that point, they're potted up in four-inch pots or larger, hanging baskets, etc. They're pinched back. And we used to have to give them shade. They needed 12 hours of darkness in order for them to bloom in time for the holidays. The newer varieties actually don't need that dark and light cycle anymore, but some of them still do. So they're grown in August. They're potted up. They're fertilized. They're watered. They're pinched back so they could be fuller. And they continue to watch them until they start to flower. Now, flower is not the red bracts that we see that we know for poinsettias. The flower is actually a yellow center of the flower. That is the flower itself. Those red bracts are simply leaves. So if we wanted to, we could take a cutting off of our plant and root it? You could do that if you wanted to. You could also, if you had a plant, you could grow it through the winter, keeping it alive. And then as soon as the scara frost is over, late May in this area, you could plant it right outside, if you wanted to, in the ground. And you could do the same thing that the growers do in August, September, keep it pinched back so it stays nice and full as it regrows. And then you have to dig it up put it in a pot before frost comes in late September and put it in a very sunny window. At that point, since you don't know if it was one that may have needed that dark period, you have to put it in a closet or put a box over it for 12 hours from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. 
every day until you start to see those little yellow flowers in the center of each stem. That's a lot of work. So my suggestion is support our greenhouse growers and <laughs> buy a poinsettia. <laughs> right. Well, but that could be quite a challenge for our gardeners out there. Yes, it's a, it's a challenge for me. That's why I buy mine every year. I look for a fundraiser that a nonprofit might have when they're selling poinsettias and I'll buy from them. Some of the websites say that poinsettias are mildly poisonous. Is this something to worry about? Well, this has been a rumor for years that somehow uh, someone thought that if you ingested the leaves, you would die. That's not true. First of all, you would have to eat a bathtub full of leaves in order to get ill from it. It would probably just be from eating that much roughage. What is really more important is the latex. Poinsettias are in the euphorbia family, and all euphorbias, when you break the stems, have a milky sap inside, which is a form of latex. So if you have a latex sensitivity, that is where I think you would develop problems with a poinsettia. If you were to break the stem or the leaves would come off and you would get the latex on your skin and you're sensitive. Good to know. So Diana, if you're lucky enough to get a poinsettia as a gift, how should you take care of it? How much water? You already said a lot of sun. Yes. Put it in your sunniest window if you want it to last all through the Christmas season. That doesn't mean that you can, in the evening when you want to enjoy it, let's say in your family room, that you couldn't take it from that window in the evening and put it where you want it to. But if you're going to leave for the day, put it in a sunny window. Keep it evenly moist but not wet because it does get root rot very easily from sitting in a saucer of water. Most of the poinsettias are sold with a little foil around the base, which does not have drainage holes. So my suggestion is to take it out of that foil, water it, allow the water to drain through the holes in the pot. And when it stops dripping, then you could put it back in that foil if you were to keep it or just put it in another cash pot of some type. Best thing you can do is put your finger in the soil down to the second knuckle and see if it's moist. If it is, don't water it yet. You could also pick it up and feel the weight of it. If it feels like it's heavy, like you've just watered it, it probably doesn't need water again. So important not to overwater. That would probably be true of almost any houseplant you bought. Yes. Yep. It's important to know the weight of it when it's fully watered, and then you could just pick it up to do it that way. It's a trick. What about fertilizer? Does it need fertilizer? It's been fertilized in the garden center. If you wanted to fertilize it, you most certainly could. You could give it some miracle grows, some water-soluble fertilizer. You would do it once every two weeks because our days are shorter, so the plant really isn't growing all that much. But if you were just going to use it as a holiday plant and not keep it much longer than the holidays, I wouldn't waste my time. All of its energy is in there, and it's going to get you through four to six weeks of the holiday time. Is it possible to get it to rebloom? Oh, sure. You could be devoted to it. And if you put it outside, and then if you kept cutting it back, and if you potted it up and brought it in the house in September, and you gave it the 12 hours of darkness from 6 o'clock at night to 6 o'clock in the morning, and then took the box off and put it in a sunny window, you may be able to do that. It's an awful lot of work, though, and it's probably much more time and money efficient to just purchase one. 
What's the native color, and how did there get to be so many varieties? Oh, gosh. Well, Mr. Paul Ecke was the pioneer of poinsettias and breeding. It started with just our red native poinsettia, and then we were able to have variegated leaves that were red and white, and then pink. There's one called Green Envy now that has green leaves. You'll find yellow-leaved poinsettias. So there are so many different varieties now. They're always looking for something interesting that's going to intrigue a consumer. And they're also looking at the market for those who buy en masse for displays in Manhattan where they do the large poinsettia trees that are 15 feet tall and they're tiered poinsettias on all these shelves and all. You know, they're looking for that wow factor with different colors and different types. So it's truly up to you what your favorite color is and what type of poinsettia do you want? Do you want a hanging basket? Do you want just a small four inch plant for your office desk? Do you want a topi? and they even have those and now they're actually putting some foliage plants in with the poinsettias so you can have a poinsettia with diamond frost euphorbia filler which is a pretty white plant with little white flowers all over it so they're mixing the poinsettia with other foliage so it's truly up to you and at this point what your heart desires because I'm sure there's a poinsettia variety out there for you. I wonder how the breeders manage to get those different varieties. Do you think that they work from seeds, or do you think that they found sports among the branches of the ones that they had? Yes. What would happen is they would see that one was a little darker red, so they were looking for that burgundy color, so they continued to take cuttings of the one that has that dark burgundy. If they were to do any crossbreeding with it, they would take one that is now yellow bracts, and they would take one that has red bracts, and perhaps then they'll get that orange color they're looking for. So it's just a matter of crossbreeding. Again, that flower is not the red that we see, but it's the little yellow center and that's where the pollen is and that's what they would use when they're crossbreeding so the breeders must have worked from seeds if they were crossbreeding um Yes, at some point they probably did. But at this point, most of it is vegetative reproduction from what is out there. And then the new varieties, if anything sports from them, they may take cuttings from the sports. And that would be that growth that's different. Well, what's your favorite variety? Oh, gosh. I know I don't like the ones that look like they have a virus on them. I kind of like the color pink. I'm not a traditional girl. So there's some stunning pink varieties, and one is called Love You Pink, and that's the one that I like. (laughs) It sounds like the poinsettias keep pretty well. When would be a good time to buy them? I would start looking for them right after Thanksgiving, and I think that you want to get the first ones that come in. They're the freshest out of the greenhouse. Another person with a green thumb has been taking care of it for you up to that point, and there's more availability of color, size, etc. when they're fresh and new and on the shelf. Usually, they will run out before the week before Christmas, so... Yeah, try to get it early. If you're going to give it as a gift, keep it in a sunny window. Okay, we'll have to keep that in mind. Thank you, Diana. You're welcome. So now you know how to take care of your poinsettia so you can enjoy it this season and maybe next year as well. This has been Stephanie Phillips for Farm and Country.
Diana K. Weiner has retired from Sullivan Renaissance and now works with her husband, growing their greenhouse business, Stories Never Sink Plant Company, in Never Sink, New York. They sell rare succulents and all types of hardy and non-hardy interesting plants grown in their display gardens and greenhouses. For WJFF and Farm and Country, this is Christine San Jose. We're celebrating Hanukkah along the Poets' Row. You remember the story about 168 BC, the Syrians have desecrated the temple and the Maccabees arise. Given the current state of affairs, I'm not hugely in favor of belligerent assertion, but remember this was written 150 years ago. And way back when this happened, the time of the story, the temple had been desecrated by the oppressor. And this poem, The Feast of Lights, was written by Emma Lazarus, she who wrote those wonderful words on the base of the Statue of Liberty. And Emma Lazarus says, Kindle the taper like the steadfast star ablaze on evening's forehead or the earth. And add each night a luster, till afar an eightfold splendor shine above thy hearth. Clash, Israel, the cymbals, touch the lyre, blow the brass trumpet and the harsh-tongued horn. Chant psalms of victory, till the heart takes fire, the Maccabean spirit leap newborn. Remember how from wintry dawn till night such songs were sung in Zion, when again on the high altar flamed the sacred light, and purified from every Syrian stain, the foam-white walls with golden shields were hung, with crowns and silken spoils, and at the shrine stood, midst their conqueror tribe, five chieftains sprung from one heroic stock, one seed divine. Five branches grown from Mattathias' stem, the blessed John, the keen-eyed Jonathan, Simon the fair, the burst of spring, the gem, Eleazar, help of God, or all his clan, Judas the Lion Prince, the Avenging Rod, towered in warrior beauty, uncrowned king, armed with the breastplate and the sword of God, whose praise is, he received the perishing. They who had camped within the mountain pass, couched on the rock and tented neath the sky, who saw from Mizpah's heights the tangled grass choke the wide temple courts, the altar lie disfigured and polluted, who had flung their faces on the stones and mourned aloud and rent their garments wailing with one tongue, crushed as a wind-swept bed of reeds is bowed. Even they, by one voice fired, one heart of flame, though broken reeds had risen and were men, 
they rushed upon the spoiler, and all came. Each arm for freedom had the strength of ten. Now is their mourning into dancing turned, their sackcloth doffed for garments of delight. Week long the festive torches shall be burned, music and revelry wed day with night. Still ours the dance, the feast, the glorious psalm, the mystic lights of emblem and the word. Where is our Judas? Where our five-branched palm? Where are the lion warriors of the Lord? Clash, Israel, the cymbals, touch the lyre, sound the brass trumpet and the harsh-tongued horn. Chant hymns of victory till the heart take fire. The Maccabean spirit leap, newborn. Oh, you know, I have to tell you, it really is such fun reading those thundering 19th century poems. That's, that's really something to get your lips around. Here's a very modest little one looking to something, a celebration of togetherness. It does have a tune with it. I'll spare you the tune and just tell you the words. Different songs in different lands. Different gifts in different hands, different children, different toys, different hopes, and different joys. Light the candles, trim the tree. You are you, and I am me. But together we shall find we're singing the songs of humankind. I have to tell you, my hometown in England is now one of the meltingest pot towns you could find. And we all enjoy each other's festivals. And it is a, such a happier place than when I lived there, I can tell you. Along the Poets' Row for Farm and Country, this has been Christine San Jose. that you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteers Keith Hubbard, Christine San Jose, and Stephanie Phillips. 
Special thanks goes to our guest, agronomist Diana K. Wiener from Stories Never Sink Plant Company in Never Sink, New York. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening to Farm and Country on Radio Catskill. This closing music is offered to you in the approach and anticipation of Hanukkah. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org Hanukkah has therefore been a source of joy and a time of gaiety to the children. Sunday night is the start of Hanukkah. Sunday afternoon, Aaron Bendich is ready to celebrate on Borscht Beat with a special selection. The Moshe Osher Hanukkah Party. This record is really